This is Heavenly Gospels Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Pastor Corey is starting his new series, I Do. We hope you enjoy. Amen. If you got Genesis chapter 22, verse 9 through 14, say, I got it. If you don't have it, say, hold on. Few over here. I don't know who said it, but we got a few over here. If you do not have it, you can read it on the screen. Amen. Amen. Y'all, I gotta tell you, and I must admit that um, my well is kind of full this morning, and I feel like preaching. And, and so I'm gonna ask a question. I just want to know. Well, I got a church that'll talk back to the pastor. I didn't feel the middle section. I think I, I said, do I got a church that will talk back to the pastor? Okay, the middle section came for me this time. So I'm going to ask one more time, do I got a church that will talk back to the pastor? Okay. Because I feel like preaching. And when I feel like preaching, I can't preach all by myself. I need a little assistance. Amen. Genesis chapter 22, verse 9 through 14, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it reads, Then they came to a place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God and since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the, the Lord, the, the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Family, it is my assignment this morning to teach and to preach from this subject title, You Can Have It. Somebody say, You Can Have It. Come on and bless God as you take your seats. Family, this morning we are beginning a new sermon series. And the sermon series we're beginning this morning is entitled I Do. Somebody say, I do. And the part in the heart of this series, the premise of this series, and the win of this series can really be captured in the following phrase. I believe that this is the imprint that God wants to leave on our hearts in this, in this sermon of series. 
And it cannot, and it can be captured by this phrase. That God desired not just moments, but he desires a marriage. I'll say one more time. That God desires not just moments, but he desires a marriage. In other words, God, the creator, desires intimacy with his creation. That from the Garden of Eden to Abraham to Moses and to Israel, Jesus and the disciples, God constantly demonstrates his desire to have unbroken, uninterrupted fellowship with his creation. Therefore, we must come to understanding what he is asking of us and what he is offering. And we must come to the realization that we were created to have fellowship with the creator. And that we need him, but he also desires us. And since he desires a marriage family this morning, we must realize how we achieve this intimacy is through one word that I want to talk throughout the thread of, the, of these sermons of series. It's through this one word, submission. Somebody say submission. If you're a note taker, submission is to follow God's leading even when it's in the opposite direction of what you want. I'll say it one more time. Submission is to follow God's leading even if, somebody say if, is in the opposite direction of what you want. It is when we exchange our will for his will. It is where God's preference for my life becomes God's reality for my life. And in our text this morning, it gives us some valuable principles that if I'm going to have a marriage with God, then what it exactly entails, because the Bible it often describes the church as the bridegroom of Christ. And the Bible says that he's coming back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle. That, that when it comes to characterizing our relationship with Christ, he uses marital terms. And how many of you know that whenever you become married, everything changes? All my married folks should have said amen. That your life utterly changes when you say, I do. That when you get married, it's no longer about you and yourself. But it's about graciously loving and serving the person that you're with. All right, all right. Or supposed to be. And here it is. If we don't understand this heart of God, watch this. We'll say I do to continue to act and portray life like we're single. <sighs> that when you get married, your identity changes. You move from boyfriend to husband. And so everything changes. And so here it is. The heart of this series is not just to have moments, but it is to have a marriage. Because the enemy desires for us to have moments with God instead of a marriage with God. What do you mean, Pastor Corey? The enemy wants us to show up on Sunday. Have 
have a good time in the Lord and then go back home to the very same thing that God may be calling us out of. The enemy, he wants us to come and get free on Sunday and then go back to bondage on Monday. But if you're going to live your best life, if you're going to live an abundant life, we cannot just settle for moments, but we must achieve a marriage. Somebody say a marriage. And this passage exposes us to an incident in the Old Testament character named Abraham. Now we pick up toward the, the middle and the end of the story, but I think there's an aspect of the story that's incredibly relevant, relevant to what I want to share today. Abraham and his wife hit a season in their life's journey where they are old and outside of the age of childbearing. And so he has this encounter in exchange with God where God says to him, your wife is going to conceive a child. Now you want to know how old they were. They were so old that when God said that he was going to bless them, bless them with a child, Sarah, she began to laugh. Have you ever got a have you ever got a promise from God? Have you ever got a word from God and it just seemed like it was impossible? Have you ever heard somebody say something and it was so far, uh, so far beyond your mind and just blew your mind, you just laughed it off? And that's what Sarah did. She began to laugh. And, and here it is. God says, since you're going to laugh, I'm going to make you wait longer. That since you're laughing and you don't believe, I'm going to use this situation as an opportunity to really grow your faith up because you don't really believe me right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait even longer now so what you think is impossible, you know that it's sure enough going to be impossible because when you get ready to have this baby, you're going to look back over your life and say that it, was, it wasn't up to me, it wasn't me that produced this baby, it was nobody but God. And I'm wondering, do I got any witnesses out there that you can look back over the landscape of your life and you can see certain things that have transpired and see certain things that have happened and you can say without a shadow of a doubt that it was nobody but God. Do I got any witnesses out there that if it had not been for the Lord that was on your side, you would be broke by now, you, your mind would be messed up by now, that the wreck should have took you out, the relationship to you to the toy you up, but if it had not been for the Lord who was keeping you, who was preparing you, who was preserving you, that you would not be who you are today. Is there anybody here, Chief? God meant maybe God meant for you to have a baby with our servant wife. 
And they allowed uh, themselves to put their hands on what God wanted to do. And they produced a baby through another woman named Ishmael. And God said, that's not it. That's not it. He says, I didn't say that I was going to produce it through another woman. I said I was going to do it through you. And here it is. They have a baby with Sarah and they name him Isaac, which means laughter. In other words, what God is saying is whenever I am involved in a situation, I always get the last laugh. And there may be somebody that's laughing at your dream, somebody that's laughing at your vision, but I need you to tell them and look at them and say, keep on looking. Because as long as God is involved in my life, he's going to get the last laugh. And I'm come to talk to somebody where your start to your year, where the middle of your year, it may not have been, been the best. And it, you may have experienced some things and it may have knocked you off guard. But I come to prophesy over your life that God is going to get the last laugh. There's some things that may not be going your way. And there's some Ishmael's in your life. But I can tell you that God is a God of Isaac. And as long as he be God, he's going to always get the last laugh. Is there anybody that can believe that with me? That although some things have been jacked up, some things have may not work out the way I wanted them to work out, I believe and truly believe that God is going to get the last laugh in my life. Here it is, family. Sarah gets pregnant. And it isn't him saying older people should have babies. This is a metaphor, an example to teach us that just because it looks impossible to you, it doesn't mean that it's impossible for God. That, that God, hear me, he would enable you to birth things when you feel like you're outside of the season to give birth. For the scriptures record, with man, some things are possible. But with God, or my Bible readers, are possible. And here it is. God told me to tell somebody that all the circumstances in the situation saying you can't. God is saying that you can't. Ah, y'all not hearing me this morning. Although everything feels like and looks like it shouldn't work. God is saying to somebody this morning that you can. What are you saying, Pastor Corey? God sent me here to tell you something, to tell somebody this morning that God is getting ready to enable you to give birth to something that is outside the time of which you think that it should be birth. God says he's getting ready to enable you, to, get, to enable you to do something you said that you couldn't do. That he's getting ready to enable you, watch this, to do something others said that you're too old for. Somebody, somebody should need to catch this. He's getting ready to enable you that somebody is saying that they're not educated enough for. God says he's getting ready to supersede every ability. He's getting ready to supersede every resume that you have. God told me to tell you that if you want it, go for it. That if you want it, just go after it. And he says, I will give you favor and I'll move you from the end of the line to the front of the line. Just like that. Why? Because I am God. Somebody shout yes. Oh, <laughs> 
their jobs. They're not even qualified. And when you get it, you can just say, favor. You say, he's nobody but God. So watch this family, Abraham. He miraculously receives his son. God makes a way. And all of a sudden, we get to Genesis chapter 22, where God has another exchange with Abraham, and he gives him these words. Verse 2, he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Is that the text? Now, it's important that you don't allow the specifics of this story to cause you to miss the point of the story. Because if you're not careful, you'll make an assumption that God is advocating for child sacrifice. But if you comprehensively read the Old Testament, you'll see that God condemns religion, especially those that engage in child sacrifice. So the point of this story is not to teach us not to engage in child, child sacrifice. Isaac is a representation of something you love that you'd rather keep. And the fact that God asked him to sacrifice, sacrifice him is reflective of a season of life that we all will visit. Where God asks you to release something that you rather keep as a demonstration of your love that you love the giver more than the gift. Where my church at? That, that all of us, if we be honest, we have an Isaac. Isaac represents what you would rather keep. Isaac represents what you love. And God says to him, I want you to sacrifice him and go to the region of Moriah. He says, go to the region and then after you get there, I will show you the mountain when you get there. What does this teach us? This teaches us that if we're going to live a life of submission, we must be willing to receive information on the go. Because God doesn't give some information until we move. The Bible says in Psalms 37 and 23, it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Watch this. He doesn't say that the paths are ordered by the Lord. It says the steps are ordered by the Lord. That, that if you if you like my wife, that you want to know the paths. Okay, where we're going. When I'm going to turn left. When I'm going to turn right. What are we going to be doing next week? But God, watch this. He wants us to trust him, not path by path. He wants us to trust him step by step. He wants us to trust that he's going to give us the information. Watch this. On the need to know basis. And some of us, you haven't heard from God in a while because you stopped walking. Some of us, God's voice in our life has been diminished because we haven't been walking with him step by step. But if you ever keep your feet moving, God says, I will give you what you need, the instructions you need as you go. Somebody say, as you go. So the Bible says in verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. Somebody say, early. early. In the morning, and he saddled his donkey 
And he took two of his young men with Isaac and his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arise, and he went to the place of which God had told him, notice Abraham, watch this, the Bible says he went early the next morning. He doesn't wait two or three days. He did it the next day. Which teaches us something about submission. Teaches us something important. For my note takers, it teaches us that after God instructs directly, we must learn to act swiftly. I'll say it one more time. That after God instructs directly, we must learn to move swiftly. Because watch this, if you don't do it right then and there, you know you're not going to want to do it later. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time, because y'all acting real bougie. If you don't do it right then and there, you're not going to want to do it later. I, how many of you, you, you would be honest, where you say, you know what, today, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to pray. And the minute you didn't do it, you were sitting at your desk. You said, you know what, I forgot to pray. I, I think I'm just going to pray during lunch. And the more you put it off, and now you lay in the bed, and you say, Lord, I said I was going to wake up and pray. I ain't prayed all day. Because here it is. You got to learn to act swiftly when God instructs directly. Sometimes you got to learn to say, you know what? I'm going to forgive them now. I'm going to go ahead and have the conversation now. Because I don't know how I'm going to feel later next week. So watch this. Abraham recognized I may not always be as full of faith as I am right now. So I got to learn to act right now when I'm full of faith. And some of you, you got to learn how to forgive when God says forgive. Some of you, you got to love when God says love right then and there. You can't wait for the moment to feel right because if you wait for it to feel right, that means you're living, you're living by your feelings and not by faith. But I want to know if I'm talking to any faith-filled people. I want to know, do I got any people you have to have some difficult conversations? You have to have God for, have, help you to forgive some people? You have God help God to push you past some bad moments? And it's because you're submitted. And you, if you're submitted, you should not be a slave to your feelings. You're a slave to faith. And sometimes God will often do things and ask you to do things that don't make sense. But it will make faith. And this, this is helping anybody. The text continues in verse 3. It says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey. Let's stop right there. Now, in traditional Jewish thought, a donkey represented the obstinate, stubborn, unpredictable, fleshly nature of the human. <laughs> Teach Pastor Corey. You're doing the best you can. It, it is one of the dominant animals, metaphor the Bible uses, specifically in the Old Testament. Even when Israel was receiving instruction in the Old Testament about how to engage in certain agriculture activity, they were told not to take a donkey and yoke it up with an ox. Because if you yoke it up with an ox and a donkey together, they're not equally yoked. Could you put, put my picture on the screen? Um, because here it is. An ox is compliant. An ox is obedient. An ox 
obeys the voice of his master. So when the master says come, the ox comes. But the donkey is unpredictable.
around and preach for it. Yeah. And you just entertaining it. Just go to the club to be agro food. Uh, I, I can't do y'all dances. Minister Roxy Northless. She said, whenever a good song come on, her body just feel it. And she just start dancing. Some of y'all just be. And I'm like, go, girl, go. Mm, work that, work that. But the minute you start lifting your hands, ooh, who she thinks she is? It don't take all of that. Yeah, it take all of that. I'm not gonna be in the world and club and go as hard as I am and then sit up in church with my hands folded, with my legs crossed, and not give God my best. I, I, I just wish for all my club goers, you took up clubhouse. Would you make some heavenly noise in this house? Oh! 
but I'm gonna limit your influence on my life. That means our conversation got a 10-minute cap. Because I love you. You my boy. You my girl. I'm gonna let you get it out for 10 minutes, but 10 minutes is all I can take. After 10 minutes, you know what? My mama calling me. I'm gonna call you right back. Monday, you already got enough work. You got enough workload. It's already difficult. Y'all know how Mondays be. You don't need somebody like that ruining your Monday before your week is started. I'm going to talk to you on Friday when I feel better. When I'm happy about my disposition with work. I'll talk to you on Friday. He tells him, he tells him that we will come back. He doesn't, dis he doesn't disconnect them. He just dismisses, dismisses them for a season, for a moment. And that if we're ever going to live a submitted life, we gotta identify, if you get nothing else, you gotta identify the people who are making you better and the people who are making you worse. I, I, I'm trying to finish, but I, I think I'm going to have to do part two because yeah. the, the Lord is really dealing with this part. Because here's the truth of the matter. I believe the Holy Spirit is really trying to do this, this I do series. I can preach until I'm blue in the face. But if, you, but if you continue to go back to the circle, that is not improving your relationship with God. There's no amount of preaching and praying that I can do for you that will help you out. Because of who you choose to continually walk with. <sighs> Somebody said that's how you grow up. You gotta say, learn to say, you know what, I love you. I just I don't get down like that no more. <laughs> I, I love you, but that's not me no more. You gotta stop letting people beef up the dysfunctional part about you. Cause ain't nothing cute about that attitude. Ooh girl, you can tell somebody off. You can just, ooh girl, you cut them up. That ain't cute. And we, we start walking around this stuff with pride. Like, girl, yes I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. It's not, it's not the life that God intended for you to have. I'm gonna do part two next week. Is this okay? okay. I'm gonna give you a little bit more. But I, I, I like to feed you a little and then keep you hungry. But you gotta come back for next week. Because it ain't good English, but it's good truth. Y'all, it get gooder and gooder. Here's the thing. This is the last thing I want to say. He says, I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. He didn't say, I will come back, even after God told him not to sacrifice Isaac. He says, we will come back. 
He says, we both coming back. This ain't good English, but it's good truth. Both of us. Both of us. This was a statement of conviction that somehow, some way, either God was going to bring his son back or he was going to make another way. And it serves a principle that when we are submitted to God, Although it doesn't make sense, because God would often ask us to do things that don't make sense. We know he will make a way somehow. Because God is going to ask us to do some things as believers sometimes that doesn't make sense up here. Because God, he doesn't, the Bible says in Isaiah that that our thoughts are not his thoughts. And our ways are not his ways. And the minute God starts, the minute we start acting in our own way, what we're really telling God is we want God to be us. Thank you for listening to Heavenly Gospels Podcast. If you would like to partner with us and give on today, you can give via cash app, dollar sign Heavenly Gospel. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.